Greetings, Summoners, and welcome to The Rapid Recall, a weekly talk show giving you a quick rundown of what's happening in the world of League of Legends esports. My name is Joey, and this week, fortune smiles upon me, because CLG is playing Curse in the quarterfinals. I'm DK, and I have to disagree with you right off the bat, Joey. Curse is going to get fourth place, which means CLG isn't going to be able to make it to the semis. Alright, to kick off every show, we're going to take a look at some of the week's biggest stories and have a short discussion about each one. The sound of the bell means it's time to move on. This week, we're going to talk about old pros, new tricks, and some real counter logic. But first, talk about a last-minute surge. In both leagues, the 8th place teams put on their best performances of the split after many, including myself, had left them for dead. Gambit Gaming turned in a very respectable 3-1, while Evil Geniuses pulled off a perfect 4-0, The Dream. Both performances were good enough to climb into 7th place. However, due to their struggles during the other 10 weeks of the split, they're going to be joining the Copenhagen Wolves and Complexity in the relegation tournament. Of these four teams, which is most likely to return to the LCS stage? I definitely think it's Evil Geniuses that is the most likely to return. If only because they're going to get to pick a North American challenger team. And if you look at the top two European challenger teams and the top two... North American challenger teams, it seems pretty clear to me that the worst team of all those four is probably Curse Academy, who you presume is the team that Evil Genius is going to get to play to requalify. I'm going to agree with you that it's Evil Geniuses, and I'm not going to step into the challenger scene yet. Um, but I think just because of how strong they've looked, not just this week when they went 4-0, but ever since they've added Helios, he really has been a spark to the team, and even though it didn't turn into immediate results that might have helped them make a playoff push, you can't argue that the team hasn't looked good since his arrival, and they've looked better than any challenger team that, team that I've seen. And I don't know if you saw this interview, but in an interview this week, Crepo said that before Super Week this week, he thought about just retiring on the spot because things were going so poorly, or maybe it was the week before. But they were just having such a hard time in practice, and it had been so long since they'd won a game. And, you know, I mean, this guy used to be on CLGEU. They were amazing. And so they practice really hard. They come into Super Week, and they 4-0, which no one really expected i think and so i just think their morale is going to be so high going into relegation yeah not only did they 4-0 one of those victories was a pretty convincing victory over lmq uh, i don't know if i'd call it that but lmq had everything in the world to play uh, to play for and that loss to eg cost them the first overall seed in the tournament so you know lmq was trying to win and it wasn't just a fluke that eg went out and beat them on the last day Saying, just, saying LMQ had everything to win like might have been a bit of an exaggeration. They were already, by that point, guaranteed a semifinal bye. Though. Oh, that's true, but if you had to pick and you had to look, would you rather face TSM in the semis or, or CLG slash Curse? To me, that first place seed meant a lot. And LMQ lost it. But besides the point, we've been, you know, like I said, we've been saying for weeks, like looking at the team, we can't see why they're not winning games. So if I'm Crepo, I'm thinking the same way. Like, oh no. Like, yeah, right. We have what this can we do roster, better? but we still can't win, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, the European teams, no offense to them, but they've looked like they've struggled. And Copenhagen Wolves, especially this past week, did nothing to convince me. And then they're going to replace their jungler. And I, you can't say that they played better with Airwicks than Broken Shard. They didn't really play well. But I have no faith in the Wolves. And Gambit Gaming, 
they pulled this super week out of their ass. I have no idea what happened. Like, damn, they looked good. And if they play that well in relegations, yeah, they're going to be back in the LCS. But that was one week, and I'm not ready to anoint them as a crown. Complexity, you never have any idea what team's going to show up. There's the team that knocked out Coast and got in when no one thought they were going to. And then there was the team that only won eight games and just lost completely lost. So, yeah, I think Evil Genius is most consistent and strongest looking for a decent amount of time. Now on to the teams who are still in it. The first European quarterfinal match pits my own and DK's picks for Worlds against each other, and obviously only one can advance. SK seemed to find new life this week, while Millennium couldn't really find anything at all, especially in Enemy Nexus. The other matchup will feature two teams that don't get a lot of respect in Super Hot Crew, who did rise up to third place in the regular season, and Rockat, who finished third in the playoffs for last split. When all said and done, DK, who will be, who's going to be playing for a shot at Worlds next week? So to take the winner of each match right off the bat and then talk about it a little bit, I'm going to say it's going to be Super Hot Crew, and I'm going to still pick Millennium. And that one's really tough, so I'll stick with Super Hot Crew. Rocket, to me, is just too inconsistent. And while Selfie and Crew haven't shown an insane amount of poise over and over again, I think that they can get up and they can crush, and I don't think Rocket's a good enough team to turn that around. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree and pick SK in the first match for the, some of the aforementioned regions, but, reasons, but I do want to focus on this uh, Rock Hat match because I'm actually pretty skeptical. Super Hot Crew obviously is the third seed coming in and Rock Hat's the sixth, but Rock Hat has been looking pretty good in the back end of this split, and they did perform last, last split during the playoffs. Like you said, they came in third. And so, and also I have, I think... Seeing Rockat's previous experience in best of fives and Super Hot Crew's like streakiness, I don't think Super Hot Crew is going to be able to pull it together for three or four or five games in a row. I'm not taking Super Hot Crew to win any more than one BO5, but I think they just have the talent level that's better than Rockat. And I wouldn't take them against either Millennium or SK, even though they finished ahead of them in the standings. And I'm definitely not taking them against Alliance, uh, I mean, against Fnatic in that semifinal match. But. I don't know. I just don't think Rock had shown me enough this split. I think they came out of the gates insanely hot. And yeah, they had a good playoff, but also, you know, Alliance was slumping. Or, I don't know. Yeah, Alliance, Alliance, didn't, Alliance, care. Didn't... Alliance didn't care about that match at exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about the SK matchup a little bit. Because that's a team, like you said, going in two completely different directions. And we said that a couple weeks ago, but the opposite way. Millennium was surging and SK was dropping. Now all of a sudden, in Super Week, it's the other way around. I don't know. I, I think SK was prepared really well, and I'm sure they'll be prepared really well for Millennium, but I'm not sold on their individual talent. I would normally say that SK is ex- is an extremely consistent team, and so when they started to fall off a little bit, I was like, eh, it's not a big deal, but they came back, when they came back this week, it was... It was gross. I mean, they didn't just win their games. They, they like, demolished their opponents. It was... I mean, who'd they lose their match to? I don't know. They went like three one or something. They like they stepped on Fnatic, right? Like it was really good. This matchup is easy for me just because SK has seemed so consistent in the past, and Millennium has shown these flashes of brilliance, but nothing that you can count on. But I think SK does a lot to win their games in the pick ban phase and their preparation, their analysts and everything. I think Millennium has more raw talent. And you know, it's just one best of five that they have to be ready for this week. So Millennium is going to be able to devote more time and come out better. So the fact that SK was able to prepare for four separate opponents really well, and Millennium obviously couldn't do that, isn't an indication that they're necessarily going to 
um, fall off in the playoffs. I would flip that around. I would say the fact that SK prepares so well is an indication that they're going to demolish Millennium, who can't prepare as well. But as we'll see. Looking off the rift, this week marked an official end to the inaugural Fantasy League of Legends season, at least the fantasy season sponsored by Riot. As with most betas, the system was filled with bugs and user complaints, but overall, what did you think of the experience, and as a whole, what do you think it means for esports moving forward? Uh, moving forward, this is... Moving forward, what I see it as is, right now, in esports, you don't have a huge reason to root for a team if they're not doing really well. Uh, you're missing the X factor of in traditional sports. You're like, oh, well, I'm from Central Jersey, so I root for New York teams, like stuff like that. You're, that's what you're missing. And so this help, like if the, the Fantasy League is really helping you associate with players and get to know them, pay attention to a lot of players that you may not have noticed before and maybe come to like them, maybe become a fan. And so I think it's just, that's really key, like giving people something to hang on to when you're talking about creating something that you want to last for years and years and years. I think that the biggest part about that is actually the NA versus EU, because I was somebody that definitely was into esports, and I followed, you know, I knew who the top teams and the top players in the EU were, but I never really would sit down and watch EU matches. Um, but when I had fantasy invested in it, and I had those players, and I needed to know what they were doing in order to make my roster, I was definitely more likely to to tune in. Right, and then also, you just think about how, even for something as, like football, which was huge, and then fantasy football just made it even bigger, this is also a great introduction point for people who maybe like who are even less interested in you than Europe like maybe someone who is aware that TSM exists but just like doesn't really watch matches right I don't think it's even like that point can be extended even upon esports fans I know I had people in my league my fantasy league which I won by the way thanks to you dropping curb uh, <laughs> but we had people that you know, they played the game of League of Legends before, but they never were really into the pro scene. And now all of a sudden they're watching matches because they had done fantasy football or fantasy baseball in the past and they wanted to get involved with um, just another esport. So that was cool. And it got them introduced to a whole new group of players and a whole new scene. And that's always better when you have more of a fan base for whatever reason. Right. And you think about players like, for example, Kerp, who previously had been on this like middle of the tier slash bottom of the tier team and like kind of struggled to like do something week after week. And like they could never win more than two matches in a row and stuff like that. And now he's like a star and everyone knows about him. And people are always joking about the trackball just because he doesn't always win and his team isn't the best, but the, he all, he often manages to put up insane numbers anyway and so it's just helping with the proliferation of the league uh the league of legends star or the esports star yeah and hopefully that'll translate to streaming numbers for these guys because before if you looked at it the top streamers they played for clg they played for tsm you knew them because you knew the brand but now you have individuals that you actually know and it's not just going to be oh tsm signed bjergsen and bjergsen's a star right? it's oh kurt put up you know, or Nick even this week puts up 100 fantasy points. So I think that's good. Well, there's yeah, there's a lot to go to lurk out the logistics and the bugs, and it wasn't um, the best thing in the world with you know no trades and um, no message boards. But and having it all hosted on one site that would crash was a problem. Uh, but you know, it was better in the long run. Speaking of off the rift, chasing the cup season two premiered this week, and for us CLG fans, it was not a pretty sight. 
CLG replaced TSM in this docu-series with C9 that follows pro teams' lives inside and outside of the LCS studios. This premiere was dominated by scenes of CLG members fighting about everything from practice regimens to in-game calls to duo queuing. This issue has to bring fans to wonder what role Team Dynamic had in the choice to move the team to Korea for a few weeks. What's your take on this episode, DK? If I'm to believe... If I'm to believe the episode at face value, uh, I definitely have some concerns because, you know, Dexter did not look like he was getting along with the team. And something that I didn't actually see a lot of people pointing out is where the hell was Seraph? Because in most of the team's discussion, he wasn't around. What I'm hoping, and it was always the criticism of uh, TSM shows, was that this drama's overhyped for the show. Uh, so I don't know if this is really the problems that are that they're going through or if they were purposely dramatizing it so that the show would actually be watchable. Because let's be honest, those parts with C9 where everyone was getting along weren't really interesting. Yep, pretty boring for just, <laughs> just, just watch people be nice to each other, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I actually I looked into it a little bit and read around, and apparently uh, the scenes with CLG in it are edited to slightly exaggerate uh, the tension but also only slightly edited to exaggerate the tension. Like the arguments where uh, the arguments where double lift is like, I'm playing well and you guys all suck. And Link's like, I would just tell everyone what to do. And Afro is still trying to be a nice guy, which props to him, by the way, apparently that's all a very real situation. And, no one, no one in the community really had a clue that it was that bad. They knew that things were tight because uh, they weren't winning games. So I don't think anyone realized it was, so horrible and if it is as bad as the show depicts then i think them going to korea is even more of a no-brainer i don't know if that's true at all because i think what happens is you move them to korea and you put them in a situation where they can't get out of the house and they can't get away from each other and they're literally stuck with nobody but themselves playing this game you know for two or three weeks straight uh and to me when you have a team dynamic like that and you have two weeks off you almost have to i mean you almost have to hit a pause button and give them a day or two to clear their heads and get away and maybe work out personal issues away from the game. Because if you're losing scrims and you're losing matches, uh, it, the mindset's not going to get better and you're just going to continue to blame other people. Now, sitting them out of Super Week so they don't go like 1-3 or 0-4 in a Super Week, that probably did better for the mentality than moving them halfway across the world. I think you're I think you're underestimating the positive effects that it, that are that seem likely to come from them visiting Korea, though. Hey, they're going to have Monty in the house, and I know you're not as big a fan of Monty as I am, but something you can definitely admit is he's much older and he has much more life experience to help steer these guys through it. I mean, these are all still kids. Doublelift is younger than I am. So I think having an older voice, someone who they all respect, who he can, who he can pull them aside and talk to them instead of having to like try and awkwardly call them on Skype, that's absolutely huge. And then also... But wait a second, I want to say something about Doublelift. He, I think when he started, like, I'm playing great and the rest of you suck, that might have been exaggerated and made him told us that, but the fight they had after they lost their match at the end of the episode, I thought Doublelift was actually being very mature about it, and Dexter and Link were the ones that were the issue. Doubles seemed to be more asking questions and doing the types of things you're supposed to do resolving conflict. I don't blame him for that at all. No, I think lots of people watch it and are talking about, uh, how bad Dexter is or how bad he's behaving. I think Dexter's the victim in all of that. And I, I agree that double lift, like asking questions, trying to move the conversation forward is a good thing. But at the same time saying you're getting paid a ton of money so that I don't have to answer this stupid question that you have really isn't going to make anyone better. Uh, Dexter's making excuses. I'm not going to support him. 
All right, that's all the headlines we have for you. Now on to this week's game, pick or ban. It's up to us to pick the true statements and ban the false ones. After a minute, a bell goes off, and we're moving on. What's the first question, Joey? EG going 4-0 in Super Week and getting 7th place was a big deal. I'm going to ban this. So I know you're going to pick it because you said earlier you think that Curse Academy is worse. Uh, significantly worse than Coast, but I don't think the gap's that big, and I think EG's better than either of those teams. Yeah, it'll be nice if they'll get to pick the one they want, um, but I don't think necessarily catapulting themselves over complexity made that big of a deal. I think EG was going to requalify. Uh, playing well, like, yeah, that was really good, but I don't think they were in, in depth, so I don't really think it's that big of a deal. You're right. I'm going to pick it, but not for that exact, not just because they get to pick a team in the challenger, uh, in the uh, promotion match more than anything just because thinking about this idea like Krepo has been playing this game for two or three years thinking about him saying I might retire just because things are going so poorly that's a horrifying thing to think about them going 4-0 gets they gets to show themselves and everyone else that they have some fight left in them and they aren't done yet like it's not their time to sit down so now Krepo can either retire and say you know what that's fine I, i'm gonna go out now or he can keep trying next up gambit will select ninjas in pajamas in relegations i initially said there's no way gambit's never gonna do this to themselves but i am going to pick this one because holy crap ninjas in pajamas is a mess i mean even if they hadn't dropped ko if they lost, uh, they lost the last uh, Challenger Series Finals to SK Gaming Prime, right? Like they are, like this is the second time in a row where they've choked in the finals of the Challenger Series. If you're Gambit, you just go all in on nip choking. Well, you got to remember the first uh, Challenger Finals; they didn't have Alex Hitch. But yeah, I'm gonna pick this as well um, because you can't be afraid of Alex Hitch. Like Gambit needs to get back in the LCS. The organization actually can't even compete in the challenger scene because they're based in Russia and that's not within the EU. Um, Gambit would have to move their entire organization if they, they fail to qualify. So you can't run away scared from a mid laner when the team is bad. So I'm going to pick it as well, unless, you know, the sixth place team takes nip because they're falling apart. Ask Tempest what happens when you lose Kobe before relegations doesn't work out. Uh, it was cloud nine eclipse actually not Tempest. Yeah, you're right. My bad. <laughs> Tempest didn't make it either. Broken Shard will be an LCS jungler again before Airwalks. This is a weird question to me, though, because isn't Airwalks a LCS jungler right now? Nope. Copenhagen Wolves is in relegation and will continue to rip on them. Um, but no, they're not in the LCS. So I'm going to pick this because I don't think the Wolves has what it takes to get back in it. Um, I think Broken Shard will be on a challenger scene in the next two weeks because the guy doesn't seem to sit down. And even if he doesn't, it's not like the, you know, Jungle talent is at a premium in the West right now. Uh, there's not too many teams. We talk about this when we talk about Diamond. And Broken Shard has shown that he can play and he can hang that in there. He's not the best in the world, but he's better than what some people got. Yeah, I'll pick this one also, actually, just because if they're both free agents, Broken Shard is a much, much, much more desirable pick because of the experience and, frankly, just because I think he performs better. And at this point, the Copenhagen Wolves just seem to be on their deathbed. It it doesn't seem very likely they're going to get back in, or it doesn't seem likely they're going to make it back into Season 5. And then in the future, like it seems like if they fall out, you just tear them down and start a new roster, don't you? I think so. C9 will defeat CJ Entis Frost at KCON. My heart really, really wants to pick this one, DK. Like, it really wants to pick it. 
Um, and actually, my brain is going to pick it too. As weird as that is, <laughs> that's not where I thought you were going with that. No, no, because at, well, at first I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool if C9 could win? And then I thought about it, and I'm like, C9 is still doing really well. And if anything, I think it's just because C9, I think, is more likely to take this match seriously than Frost is. C9 went to All-Stars and really, like, put up their best showing in spite of the fact that I wasn't there. And I'm not sure Frost is going to get out of bed in an alternate time zone just to try and beat this random team. Well, hopefully they get out of bed because I don't think they can play the match in their pajamas. But... Frost in pajamas. Um, I'm going to pick C9 as well to win because I think they're a stronger team, quite frankly. I don't think, I think we saw it all stars that the, we're not as far behind Korea as everyone says we are. Yeah, we're not better than the top teams, but CJ Frost is far from a top team in Korea. And I think it's an insult to anyone that doesn't think C9 will beat them. We have seen the last of Chaos on an LCS stage. We talk about Kax a lot, and it's funny because a couple weeks ago I wanted to talk about him when he quit Coast, and you told me no, and then all of a sudden he's on CLG. He wasn't relevant then. What do you want me to say? <laughs> all right, but I'm going to ban this because I think that he showed that he can hang in there, at least in the laning phase, and he's got the experience in the team game. And if the LCS expands to 10 teams, I can't imagine that there's 10 80 carries in North America better than Kax right now. So I think he finds a spot somewhere. I'm gonna ban. Uh, I'm gonna pick this one. I think we have seen the last of Chaos, just because it's not necessarily so much that there are 1080 carries that are better than him, but I think at this point people are more willing to bet on a young up-and-coming player as opposed to this, like, frankly, fairly washed-up uh, old vet. And then also, if I just keep saying that Chaos is never gonna come back one of these days, I'm gonna be right. Uh. Curse Chaos? Because he did just get done with CLG. Yeah, bench from CLG. <laughs> Curse Chaos. Let's go. Alright, special Chaos lane. That's not too bad. Alright. Uh, it's smart of CLG to reveal who they're screaming... to not reveal who they're screaming against in Korea. It's smart that they're not revealing it. I'm going to pick this. First of all, even if Western teams knew who uh, CLG was screaming against, that really wouldn't tell them anything at all. So CLG isn't really like losing or gaining anything either way, but I think if you're a Korean organization and you still have games left to play in NLB, or you still have games left in OGN, or you still have games left in regionals coming up, you don't want to turn around and lose one of those games and then have fans start uh, giving you a hard time because you took t- you, quote, took time off to play against this inferior team. So I think it garners them favor with the Korean orgs. I'm going to ban this. I don't think it is smart because I think what it is is you leave a lot of North American teams to wonder just how many times are you scrimming Incredible Miracle and Jin Air? Because if you're out there sc- like scrimmaging SKT and your scrim results are good, Monte has the ego that he's going to like he wants to say something about that. Maybe not. He respects Korea a lot more, but you think Doublelift beats Piglet in lane and he doesn't want to say something about it? I think the fact that they're hiding it is because they don't have the top tier Korean teams and they might be wasting their time scrimming people that are no better than LMQ or C9 uh, and why would they say that? It would just get their fans angry at them and it would let the NA teams fear them less. Alright, I'm just going to throw this out there. Today is the wrong day to try and use Piglet as an example of a good Korean AD carry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Alright. Alright, we're almost finished for the night, but first, don't forget to check out our Twitter, at TheRapidRecall, or if you have any suggestions for us, shoot us an email at TheRapidRecall at gmail.com. Our final segment is called Ultra Rapid Fire Mode. 
Here, we do a quick recap of the things that interested us from the week, but we didn't have a chance to cover in the main show. One minute left. Take it away, DK. The end of another split, and Curse is again in fourth place. Does this make them the most consistent team in League of Legends? Well, yeah, maybe. Which is impressive, considering they change their roster, like, every single month. Could Hotshot and the GGs compete on the current NA Challenger scene? Well, considering CLG Bench Academy is doing is second place in the NA Challenger scene, I can't see why Hotshot and the GGs wouldn't be able to do well. That may well have been our very last LCS Super Week. Are you going to miss it? Well, I miss a total free-for-all where good teams are punished and I have to miss half the games? Yeah, right. The Reddit thread already showed up this year, and I'm sure it's not the last time. So I'll ask you, should Riot get Monty and Doa to cast games at Worlds? There's going to be like 50-some games at Worlds. Of course Monty and Doa would be great to cast some of them, but I don't believe the Reddit circle jerk that NA and EU casters are bad, but the more to merrier, in my opinion. Alright, wait, before you ask me, are you going to take SKTS or Samsung White in the third-place OGN match this week? If White can manage to locate Ziggs during the ban phase, then S doesn't stand a chance. Please, White. Don't prove me wrong again. I realize we're a week late on this, but what the heck. Last question. Smite on D or on F? Alright, so I put my flash on D for dash, and I put my smite on F for don't F up like St. Vicious always does. That's all we got for this week, Summoners. Enjoy the rift.